Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is a rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. Mark 11, verses 9 and 10. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. That passage of scripture, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, I hope means even more to you than what it did before, now that we've looked at what the words Hosanna means and what the word blessed means. But, you know, there's also this phrase that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want us to look at the name and I want us to uh, consider having a deeper appreciation for what the name of the Lord represents and what the name needs to represent for us. So let's take a look at it together. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, I want to give you a few different passages that speak about the power of this name and the importance of this name. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's talking about the name of the Lord being holy. The name of our Heavenly Father being holy. Jesus said that in this prayer of how he wants us to learn how to pray. I believe it's pretty important for us to remember that as we pray and as we just go throughout our lives. This is one example that Jesus hinted at the importance of the name of our God, but there's still a whole lot more. In Isaiah chapter 30, this is in the Old Testament, look at how this passage speaks about the name of the Lord. Isaiah 30 verses 27 and 28, see the name of the Lord comes from afar with burning anger and dense clouds of smoke. His lips are full of wrath, and his tongue is a consuming fire. His breath is like a rushing torrent, rising up to the neck. He shakes the nations in the sieve of destruction. He places in the jaws of the people a bit that leads them astray. So in Isaiah chapter 30, he's talking about the name of the Lord, but the way he's talking about the name of the Lord is, is that the name of the Lord is like this person. The name of the Lord is wrapped up with the Lord. You can't separate these things, but the name is so powerful. The name is so important today as well as it always has been. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18, verse 10, we read that the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Is this how we view the name of the Lord? Like a tower in which we can run to and that we can be safe. Because that's how the Bible presents the name of the Lord to us. So now you might be asking the question, okay, what is the name? Uh, we've looked at it. We've seen that the name 
uh, is holy. The name of the Lord is holy. The name of the Lord is, is uh, salvation for us. We can run to it. It's like this tower. We get those things. But what is the name? Well, the name, the, the way to answer that, at least from the Old Testament, it's, it's written in these four letters, Y-H-W-H. And, and it's kind of interesting because uh, the Jewish people, they considered the name of the Lord so holy that they wouldn't really say it. And, and actually, because of that, we don't exactly know how that should be pronounced. It's just Y-H-W-H. Now, that is where we get the term Yahweh. That's what a lot of people tend to believe, um, that Y-H-W-H, how that should be pronounced. But also, um, another way of pronouncing that, it comes to us, is Jehovah. That, that's also another way of kind of pronouncing those same letters. When you read in your Bible and you see the words, uh, the word L-O-R-D, and every single one of those letters is capitalized, that is the proper name of God. That is the name that we are talking about. Now, you can also see another word in the Old Testament, or even kind of carried over into the New Testament. Oftentimes, this practice is, is carried over. And you will see a capital L for Lord, but then you will see a lowercase O, a lowercase R, and a lowercase D. And it's written just like we write any other you know, letters, you know, any other capitalized word. And that is actually the word for Lord. But when you see them all in capital letters, and sometimes they're even kind of in smaller font, if you want to see how your own Bible handles this, uh, read the, the very beginning of it, the preface. It'll explain how that particular translation deals with the name, uh, the proper name of the Lord. But so many times, you know, the Jewish people, they, they considered it so sacred. I mean, after all, isn't it even one of the Ten Commandments to not take the name of the Lord in vain? Well, they didn't want to take the name of the Lord in vain at all, so they kind of didn't even say the name of the Lord very much. But that's why it's carried over into us in this practice in our Bibles, a capital L, O, R, and D. And that gets carried over into the New Testament as well. And we find that we have a, a, a new name, don't we, uh, for the name of God, another name for the name of God. And that is Jesus when we come to the pages of the New Testament. Now, it's also interesting that if you look at what the name Jesus actually means, it means the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is salvation. So the Lord is salvation. Isn't that interesting that even the name of Jesus has the name within it? All of this points to what we can celebrate. All of this points to the name for which it is sacred, it's holy, and we need to, to understand this. And, and we need to um, make sure that we understand how, how great of a thing it is that uh, that we can come to God and that we can actually you know, call him uh, by his name. And we see the power of his name. God explains his own name to Moses, actually, in the Old Testament. I want us to, to look in that conversation. That conversation happens in Exodus chapter 3. It's a very familiar conversation. And it's that one where God appears to him uh, in the burning bush. But notice what he says about his name. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. We read, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Do you see even here from this passage that it speaks about the importance of this name? 
you know, Moses wants to know, well, you know, what is his name? You know, what if they ask me what your name is? What am I supposed to say about this, the, the, the name of the Lord, the name of God? We also see the importance of this at the very end. We read that this is my name forever. It's still the name that we call God by. This is the name that we shall call him from generation to generation. And what it means here in verse 14, it's, it's kind of translated for us. Um, what we what we see there is it would be the capital L-O-R-D, and it means I am who I am. That means that God is unlike you and unlike me because he's always existed. He always has been. He always is going to be. He always is. That's not the same for you and me. You and me, we've been created by God. We've been created by the I am. But the I am has always existed. He will always exist. He's the only uh, being that that can be stated of. And that's why this conversation is so powerful. That's why this conversation is so important. And that's why the name of the Lord is so important as well. Now, this is in the Old Testament, and we have other passages also that speak about the name of the Lord in the Old Testament. But we most certainly can turn to the pages of the New Testament, and we can see about this name and the importance of the name. And I want us to, to turn there, and I want us to see a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Because he speaks about the name of the Lord and he speaks about the task that he himself was sent to earth to accomplish. And this is it. John chapter 17 verses 5 through 6. Keep in mind and remember, this is a prayer that Jesus is praying to God. And Jesus says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Skipping on down now to verse 12, we read, While I was with them, I protected them, and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. Notice that Jesus is talking about his mission right here. He's talking about how he came down to earth, that he's asking for this glorification to happen, and it most certainly will happen uh, after Jesus you know, prays this prayer. But here he says that his task was to be keeping his disciples safe, keeping them uh, by that name that he was given by our Heavenly Father. That name, of course, it is the name of the Lord. That name also has to do with Jesus's own name. The fact that Jesus's name, if you remember how it came about, even from early on, it was important what he was going to be called. He was going to be called that the Lord brings salvation. This is what Jesus prayed. This is what Jesus lived. This is how Jesus protected and kept them safe. And that's also how he protects us and keeps us safe is by that name that he himself was given. Also in uh, the book of Hebrews, we find the same type of language being used and that same conversation about the name, the same importance about the name of God. So in Hebrews chapter two, let's turn there and let's see what Jesus says about us as humans being part of his family. In Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 12, it's written, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will pray. I will sing your praises. 
This is what Jesus has done. Jesus has come here and he has declared the name of the Lord among his brothers and sisters. That means us. That means he's declared this name of the Lord among us as humans. This is the powerful thing that, that Jesus has revealed the name of God. See, Jesus in this passage, he suffered for the name's sake, the, the, the name of the Lord, for the Lord's sake. That is why Jesus suffered all the things that he did while he was here on this earth. And we find out that actually the early church carried on this same type of thing too. And they also suffered for the sake of the name. Specifically, that's even brought out in the text at times. Uh, for example, in the book of Acts, we see this uh, a few different occasions. One of them that is clearly laid out for us comes to us in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, this is um, how the apostles respond after they receive some type of suffering and some type of persecution uh, from the Jewish leaders of their day. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. For the name. What name are we talking about? We're talking about the name. We're talking about this name of God. We're talking about this name of Jesus. The name that they've already proclaimed in the previous verse is, is the name that, that all can receive salvation from. It's, it's the only name that's been given in heaven or on earth that can produce salvation. It's the name of Jesus. It is the name of the Lord. And this name is, is, uh, appears numerous times in the book of Acts. It was proclaimed even at the very beginning of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Have you noticed that the name appears in Peter's sermon on that day in Acts chapter 2? Let's look at a couple of occasions right there where that appears. For starters, it does appear in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, and he's actually quoting the prophet Joel, uh, which both of them, both Peter and Joel, would be saying the same thing, and they're both saying, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you see how the name of the Lord produces salvation? Do you see its connection right here with salvation? And that's something that even was talked about in the Old Testament, that the name of the Lord, yes, it's a, it's a strong tower. It's a mighty tower. The name of the Lord also can produce salvation to us. The name of the Lord is powerful. It's so wonderful. And we see in Acts 2, this is the passage that Peter is, is quoting. And he says, this is being fulfilled in your hearing. And he's telling them that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know how they responded to that and, and how he further explained what calling upon the name of the Lord means? Well, when you look at Acts 2, verse 38, very famous passage again, one of my favorite ones. But Peter, when he gets stopped in the middle of his sermon, and they, they realize what he's proclaiming. And he's proclaiming that the Messiah, the one who they've been waiting for, who was going to come in the name of the Lord, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he came and they crucified him. They blew it. They realize that and they ask him the question, what do we do? What do we do now? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that he's talking right here that this all needs to be done in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of sins? Now, you know, this, of course, it, it has uh, several different uh, meanings behind it, one of which kind of communicates the best to us, because how do you do something in the name of, of someone? You know, how, how does that even work? Well, 
perhaps you've heard the call out that uh, that maybe uh, uh, police would use. You know, they might say, "Stop in the name of the law." Well, I mean, they're they're not, you know, saying, "Well, law is this person's name." That you know, that's nothing like that. It is by the authority that's found in this name, by the authority that's found in the law. In the case with with the policeman, and right here, and what Peter is saying is. This is what our repentance needs to be done in. This is what our baptism needs to be done in. Every single one of us needs to be um, taking part in repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ so that we can receive this forgiveness of sins, so that we can be saved, so that this is how we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can receive this forgiveness of sins. The name of the Lord is powerful. The name of the Lord is here from the very beginning of the church. And the name of Jesus, it saves. Now, this call on Pentecost is really the same as what Jesus already gave his disciples. So, you know, Peter's not just kind of making this stuff up and saying, oh, well, you know, this this is just this would be a good thing for us to do. He He's actually saying some of the last things that Jesus said to them. So this is going to be the last passage that we look at. And this is also the same last um, passage that we looked at last week as well uh, during the Sunday morning sermon. But it's so powerful. It's called the, the Great Commission. It's the end of Matthew's gospel, but we see it's the same type of thing um, that is being proclaimed here on the day of Pentecost and also after that, that these things need to be done in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We need to repent. We need to be baptized. We need to recognize what we've done and follow the way of Christ and follow the, the name of Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, once again, reminding you of, of what Jesus' last words says. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, this is why, if, if ever you've seen a, a baptism, this is why so oftentimes uh, we, we kind of quote this passage before we baptize somebody. I know that I've done that many times. You know, before uh, we baptize somebody, I will even say something to the effect of that I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because that's the direction that Jesus has given us. This is the name of God for which we do things in. This is the authority that we baptize people in. This is the authority by which we exist, for, for which we proclaim. We proclaim this name of the Lord. In, in fact, another thing that I like to remind us as Christians, and maybe I'll even get into to this and, and, and all in the future, but the name Christian, it means that you are like Christ. That, that's how that the word Christian um, is, is translated as it means that one who is like Christ. So we bear the name of Christ by bearing the name Christian. This passage right here is speaking of the power that's found in the name of God. Remember that this journey that we've taken this morning and how we've seen uh, the name in, in all these different areas, and there's, there's dozens more, perhaps even hundreds more that we could look at about the name of the Lord and the importance of this, of the name. But we know that that we have this state, statement just as we started off. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's be people who come in the name of the Lord. 
We found out that the name of the Lord, it is a strong tower. It's a mighty fortified tower. And the name of the Lord, it produces salvation. The name of Jesus saves. Let us make sure that we spread this name, the name. And let's make sure that we wear this name, Christian, throughout all the nations and boldly proclaim this name to the ends of the earth. Because that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what Jesus says here that he wants us to do. Let's do it. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.